When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode 240 of the Lax Factor podcast. I am your host, Ted Hoost, and week two of College Across didn't have as many crazy upsets, but we still had them. We also had a slew of games that required sudden death. Lacrosse fans all over the world saw that it was good, and we rejoiced. A bunch of one-goal games. All of it was great. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, share the crap out of the video with your friends, and you can go to laxfactor.com, watch our videos, and listen to our audio version there, and you can get yourself swag and all that crap also. I've already recorded this show once, 40 minutes down the tubes, because I did not have audio. I am confirming right now that I have audio, and we're good, so let us dive into it. First game of the day. I want to talk about here, of course, is Maryland and Syracuse. Maryland jumped out to a quick three-goal lead within the first three minutes of the game thanks to Luke Weirman winning a boatload of face-offs and Syracuse turning the ball over on their first few possessions. It was really ugly. Syracuse is able to tie things up at threes with 11.41 left in the second quarter off a Luke Roja goal, but Maryland quickly answered back, jumping out to a 7-3 lead and never really looking back from there. Now, the story of this game, very easy to read. Luke Weirman absolutely destroyed Syracuse at the face-off dot, winning 24 of 31. He had 12 ground balls and a helper. The possession discrepancy, too much overall for Syracuse to overcome. Now, Weirman's dominance at the dot, that led to Maryland holding a 33-21 shots on goal advantage overall in the game. In Over the course of that first quarter and into the second half, it was even worse than that. It was absolutely brutal just seeing the shot discrepancy between the two teams. Uh, but credit Will Mark, the Syracuse goaltender, for keeping Syracuse in the game as he was able to stop 55% of the shots he faced on the day. Also credit the Maryland defense for doing just enough to protect backup goaltender Teddy Dolan, who struggled making just nine saves against 12 goals against. If you watched the game, it actually felt like he had less saves than that overall. When Syracuse was able to get the ball, they were able to score. Their offense actually looked pretty good overall when they did have possession, but every time they'd get the, the game back to within two goals, we'd be getting hyped, ready to high-five. Maryland would answer very quickly after, once again, thanks to Weirman's dominance. Syracuse would get back to close. Weirman would win a face-off. They'd score. It was it was just a complete uphill battle right off the beginning when they took that three-zip three, three zip lead Maryland, um, for Maryland. Keys in the Maryland win beyond Weirman, uh, which was the real difference maker. Maryland did a great job early in the game attacking Syracuse's short stick, uh, uh, short stick D mids on offense. Syracuse was chased; they were chasing midfielders. The defense was constantly chasing, trying to trying to get slides, trying to just chase their men down. It looked ugly early with shorties getting roasted, and then everyone having to slide, and that resulted in Maryland's first three goals. That allowed Maryland, uh, and then that'll also, you know, Syracuse not playing great defensively in the first half allowed Mar Maryland every time to just get that lead back after. 
Uh, so it was rough. Rough outing for Syracuse because of Weirman mostly. For Maryland, Daniel Kelly, 4-2. and two. Jack Chorus, 3-1. and one. Kyle Long, 2-2. Two and two. Luke Weirman, as I said, 22 of 31 at the dot. Ajax Zapatello caused three turnovers, had four GBs. Um, the, the Brett Maycar and Zapatello and that whole Maryland defense did a very good job holding the Syracuse attack back quite a bit. Uh, uh, an only good sign here. Syracuse midfielders didn't look too bad in this game. For Syracuse, Jackson Burtwistle, three goals. Owen Hiltz, one and two. Joey Spelina, one and one. Held to just five shots by Maycar. Will Mark, 18 saves against 15 goals against. Like I said, Dolan, he made saves. He didn't look great. Definitely was not a Logan McEnany. This game would have gone much different if Logan uh, McNaney was in cage for Maryland, I believe. And I, I say different in terms of it would have been a larger margin of victory, I believe, for Maryland. In the end, doesn't look bad for either team. Team. Maryland needed to pick up an, another win against a solid team. They do that, beating Syracuse. Now Maryland's 2-1. and one. Syracuse held pace despite getting absolutely murdered at the faceoff dot. Offensively, they look solid against a very good Maryland defense overall. So I'm not mad at them. Uh, I think that both teams showed some good things, and I think there's good things to take away for both. Now, up next for Syracuse, so Notre Dame at, or North Carolina at the Dome. It's not going to be an easy one. I'll be there in, in person, and Maryland has Princeton at home, another tough one for them. Now let's get on to the second game I want to talk about here. It is Penn and Georgetown. Now, I'm not sure how many people out there in uh, the interwebs thought that they, we would see Georgetown start 0-2. I know I didn't for sure. I figured they'd beat Hopkins, and I thought this Penn game would end up being the game that it was. I thought Penn would give them trouble, but I didn't think they'd be 0-2. And now, potentially, if they're not careful, they could be looking at 0-3, maybe 0-4, because Georgetown has number three Notre Dame next weekend, and then they have number four Princeton Princeton the weekend after. So if Georgetown isn't careful, they can end up 1-3, 0-4. They need to get their offensive shit together, and they need to do it quickly. Now, first off, though, for Georgetown's D, uh, holding Penn to nine goals, that's a solid outing overall. Penn took a 2-0 lead off a Sam Handley goal with 5.29 left in the first. Tucker Dordovic would answer for Georgetown about three minutes later, making it a 2-1 uh, Penn, and then Dordovic would score again with 11.27 left in the second, tying things up at three. So early on, kind of went back and forth, and it was, once again, Tucker Dordovic keeping pace for him. Uh, but that would be as close to sniffing out a lead as the Hoyas would get, as Penn would score the game's next four goals, taking a 7-3 lead off a Cam Rubin goal, assisted by Dylan Gergar. Uh, Dordovic would manage to get the Hoyas back to within a goal by scoring with 50 seconds left in the game, making it 8-7, but Ben Smith would score the dagger for Penn, a man-up goal, assisted by Sam Handley with just 23 seconds left on the game clock. Keys for Penn in this win. For the second weekend in a row, Georgetown was bested by a hot goaltender. Emmett Carroll stopped 18 of 25 shots he faced on the day, giving up just seven goals. An incredible outing. Hopkins' Tim Marcial stopped 16 shots against Georgetown last weekend. Finishing the Rock has become a problem for Georgetown. They're struggling to gel offensively. They got a bunch of dudes playing together now that were not playing together last year. A lot of teams have that, but Georgetown seems to be struggling to try to figure that flow out and they need to get it together. For Penn, Cam Rubin, four goals. Dylan Gergar, one and two. Sam Handley, one and one. Quiet day for him overall. Ethan Till, three cause turnovers. Chris Arceri, 11 of 22 at the faceoff dot against James Riley. That's been key in both of the Georgetown losses. Riley hasn't dominated. Uh, the opponents have done a good job keeping him at bay. Uh, and like I said, Emmett Carroll, 18 saves in cage. Uh, for Georgetown, Brian Minikis, one and three. Dordovic, three goals. Graham Bundy Jr., one and one. 
not much beyond what those guys did. Great sign for Penn on a day that saw many Ivy League teams struggle or just not play their best. They come out and get a, they beat a very good Georgetown team all over the field on Sunday. They beat the Hoyas at the faceoff dot. Their goalie played out of his mind, and they scored more goals than their opponent. So, you know, that's pretty much all you can ask here. For Georgetown, they need to figure out how to find some flow offensively if they want to avoid starting 0-4. And then up next for Georgetown, brutal draw. Notre Dame, uh, but then it, that's at least at home for Georgetown, though. And uh, we have Penn is going to host Duke. So that's it for that one. Next game, as I rip through all of these for the second time, maybe the quality will be good because I've already read, read through this script once already here. Uh, we've got number six, Hopkins, losing to number 11, Loy Lo number 11, Loyola. Loyola handled Hopkins on Saturday thanks to a total team effort on offense and on defense that allowed Hopkins, that only allowed Hopkins 11 shots on cage over the first three quarters of the game. That 13 to 8 final makes it sound like it was a reasonably close game, but it wasn't. It was 11 3 Loyola heading into the fourth quarter. And once again, it was Greyhound's keeper, Luke Stout. He had another big game with 10 saves. He only gave up five goals in the first 55 minutes of play, and then his backup came in and let up three goals in the final five minutes of play. Stout played incredible against Maryland a week ago. He plays incredible again against Hopkins, and Loyola is able to pick up the win. And I actually said they can't keep, they can't rely on Stout like that to, to stand on his head to pick up wins. But hey, so far so good, man. Uh, do what you got to do to pick up the W, and they're doing that. Keys in the Loyola win. Not all about Stout and Cage. They've been putting it together full team effort in both of these games so far. They had nine guys score at least one point in their win over then number two Maryland last weekend. This weekend against Hopkins, they had 13 different players score at least one point in this game. Cam Wires was huge for the Greyhounds on defense. He forced three turnovers, Peyton Rizanka and Matt Hughes. Each caused two turnovers of their two turnovers of their own. In all, the Loyola defense forced 13 turnovers, making it very difficult for Hopkins to get anything going all game long. For Loyola, Matthew Minikis, the young gun, I said he has to keep playing like a veteran. He was two and one, as were Evan James and Seth Higgins. Cam Wires, the three caused turnovers. Peyton Rizanka, two caused turnovers, three GBs, and a helper. And then Luke Stott had the 10 saves in cage. Brendan Grimes, Matt Collison, and Garrett Degnan had two goals each for Hopkins. That Matt Collison. Allison, young midfielder for Hopkins. I think he's number 16, if that's who I'm thinking of, uh, thinking properly. A very good-looking midfielder for Hopkins. So we're seeing, like with Syracuse and Hopkins both, we're seeing some young guys stepping up and playing well for them. Young guys, new faces, that kind of crap. Uh, and then, uh, so maybe, maybe the Hopkins' back crowd jumped. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The band uh, jumped the gun a little bit, but to be certain, they're not losing to chumps. I do really think Hopkins is a much improved team here already. They've just lost to two very good teams. Loyola, 
they've impressed thus far in a season that you know most expected they were going to have to figure things out offensively after losing their two leading scorers and some other veterans. Credit to their defense and their two beastly defensive midfielders, Peyton Rizanka and Mustang Sally, for holding down the Ford out top. They're making it easy for their defense. They're making it easy for their goalkeeper. So credit to those guys as well. Next up, Loyola travels to Rutgers. Hopkins takes on Utah at Homewood. Next game. We got to talk about here. It was another really good one. Rutgers, number eight, Rutgers losing to Army. Now, this was another one of those back and forth games that came right down to the wire. Uh, at points in this game, Army held a 4 1 lead at one point. They let Rutgers battle back, and Rutgers takes a 6 5 lead. Army then scored the game's next five goals. They go up 10 6, and then both teams went back and forth while Rutgers kind of got the better of them in the back and forth version of the game down the stretch. So Rutgers was able to tie things up at 12. Will Coletti for Army, he wins the ensuing faceoff, takes it to the house. That gave Army a 13-12 lead with 8.49 to play in the fourth quarter. Just over three minutes later, Rutgers' Ross Scott, he shook the shit out of his man at X. He goes right, plants hard, and then went left, scores just as he crosses goal line, extended that, tied things up at 13s. Army forced a turnover around that four-minute mark. That resulted in transition going back the other way. Paul Johnson scored the game winner for the Black Knights with 3.54 remaining in the game off a feed by defenseman A.J. Pilati, who had a great game overall. Pilati was credited with the assist, and in reality, it probably wasn't really an assist. I don't want to try to steal points from a defender, but uh, Johnson caught that ball outside the box on the left side of the field. He literally took like... 15 steps into the middle of the field and, and took that shot. So I'm not sure that was an assist. But once again, I don't want to steal points from polls. Pilati did have a great game. Ross Scott would get the final shot of the game for Rutgers, and it would go off the post, short side post, another wraparound, hits that short side pipe, heads out of bounds, and A.J. Pilati won the run out to the end of the line, uh, to the end line, giving Army the ball back. That was that was all she wrote after that. Uh, he had a hell of a game, didn't factor a ton in the stat line, but he had some huge plays uh, Pilati did when Army needed them. Is that how I pronounce that? Pilati, Pilate, whatever the hell his name is, but he had a hell of a game, credit to him. Keys in that Army win, Will Coletti. He had a really good game for Army, 19 of 30 draws, and then he scores the 13th goal of the game that gave Army that late lead. Uh, for Army, Reese Burick, 5-1, Gunner Fellows and Jacob Morin, 2-1, A.J. Pilati, two cause turnovers, three ground balls, one assist, and I am so sorry if I'm butchering that name over and over again. Didn't even consider it in the first read-through of the show. And in this one, every time I say it, it's like, ah, was that right? Is that right? Uh, Rutgers, Ross Scott, 5-1. and one, uh, Jack Amon, 2-2. Two and two, Brian Cameron, three goals. A great sign for the Black Knights as there were question marks surrounding offensively who was going to be the big cat that was going to step up. Everybody assumed it was going to be Reese Burick, that he was going to be the guy to step up. But he's now put up eight goals and two helpers in Army's first two games. Not Brendan Nick Turn level shit by any means. And Army's only one and one right now, but very good sign that Burick is, looks like he's going to be able to shoulder that load for the Black Knights. Next up for these guys, Army hosts Wagner Rutgers has Loyola uh, at home. Next game. Number 17, Harvard. Number one, Virginia. Now, Virginia held a 20-8 to lead at the half. 
they allow Harvard to score the last nine goals, or the la- uh, the they allow Harvard to score nine out of the last ten goals of the game. So it ends up being a twenty-five win for Virginia. I haven't seen anything official yet, but I'd imagine that's got to be one of the highest uh, scoring games in D one. It's got to be one of the highest scoring games in recent times, especially. I know I I believe I did see that's the most faceoffs ever taken in a game in D one. I'd say don't let the decent margin fool you overall. The Cavs were up 9-0 just eight minutes into this game, so it wasn't really as close as it ends up looking here. For Virginia, Connor Schellenberger, 3-7. Xander Dixon, five goals off just five shots. Cormier, 3-1. Thomas McConvey had two really nice uh, – actually, one really nice goal where he kind of – uh, stepped down here off the left wing a little bit and then just turned around and ripped a goal. Petey LaSala, 20 of 32 face-offs, 10 GBs, two goals. He's still hobbled dealing with that ankle sprain, but he's playing incredible while he's getting out on the field. He's like that that court NFL quarterback that doesn't practice but hits the game up and wins. Uh, Cade uh, Sawstead, two cause turnovers, one GB. Now for Harvard, Sam King, sophomore attackman, seven goals and a helper. Very good out of him. Andrew Perry, four and two. Owen Gaffney, five and one. Chase Yeager, three cost turnovers, three GBs. So it's an easy win for the Cavs, but credit to Harvard for not giving up, for taking advantage of UVA, letting let you know letting their foot off the gas a little bit. There's no way the Cavs wanted this to turn into a four-goal game after they were blowing them out that badly at the half. So that's not a terrible sign for Harvard that even though they did you know, get the shit kicked out of them through the first part of this game, they're able to score nine goals in the fourth quarter to you know, make it look uh, respectable, even if it wasn't fully respectable. Number two, Cornell against Albany. Now, Albany was able to tie things up at nines against Cornell with 9.22 left in the fourth quarter. It was a man-up goal by Silas Richmond, but Cornell, they'd go on to score the next three goals of the game, take a 12-9 lead late uh, before winning the game by that 12-10 score. Now, Albany was up 4-2 thanks to a Graydon Hogg goal with 2.10 left in the first quarter, but C.J. Kirst would take over and score the game's next three goals, getting Cornell the lead again, and although Albany managed to tie things up on a couple of occasions later, Cornell would eventually pull away and win. As you know, Tommy Heller struggled badly in cage for Albany. He made just five saves and gave up those 12 goals. Now, granted, Cornell had a fair amount of solid looks, you know, probably a, a bunch of really solid looks. So you can't pin it all on Heller, but you would like him to stop a few more shots than that. And you would also like for his defense to help him out a little bit more. But, you know, hey, holding Cornell to 12, I thought was pretty impressive for Albany. So I can't be talking complete shit. But in the end, I feel like Cornell had a down day uh, and they were able to pull out the win. Whereas Albany, I think, you know, played tough, put up more points than I expected him to against a solid um Cornell defense, and now I'm rambling, so I'm going to shut up. For Cornell, C.J. Kerr, six goals. J.J. Lombardi, two goals. Gavin Adler, two cost turnovers, three GBs. And Chase Erlin was 50% in the cage, 10 saves against 10 goals against. For Albany, Jack Pucci, one and two. T.J. Sheehan, one and one. Silas Richmond, Graydon Hogg, both two goals. Not a bad showing for Albany uh, against their in-state rival. Cornell struggled a bit defensively early. They eventually settle in and you know took the lead and then win the game. Not surprising. It's Cornell's first time out. Albany's got him at home they're all pumped up so you know credit to albany for keeping this close credit to cornell for pulling out the win uh not a, uh next up cornell lehigh at home albany will be hosting drexel another good game this one's in overtime bryant took a 14 11 lead with 9 27 to play in the fourth quarter off an aiden goltz man up goal assisted by connor mcmahon 
Boston U would storm back, scoring four goals over just a two-minute span. Vince Dalto scored the first goal of the run, and dished. Uh, it was a dish, and then he dished to Louis Perfetto for the last goal. So Dalto scores the first goal of that four-goal run, and then he has the assist to Perfetto as the last goal of that run. That gave the Terriers a one-goal lead with 6.28 left to play in the game. Bryant would turn right around, though, score 33 seconds later to knot things up at 15s, and then overtime is happening by the end of the game. And it's uh, Tom, Thomas Niedringhaus, who had a very good game. He scored the game winner, handing Boston U the victory. Matt Hilburn assisted on that goal. Keys in the Boston U win. Connor Calderon, he played a very good game. 20 of 32 draws. He picked up seven GBs. That bought BU 12 extra shots on the day. The Terriers' defense, they forced 15 turnovers on the day, which was important because Matt Garber struggled in cage. I think he struggled in cage last week, too. He had just 11 saves versus 26 shots. So the defense plays really well despite their goalie not seeing the ball all that well on that day. They force a bunch of turnovers. They win a close one. Uh, for BU, Vince Dalto, three goals, three helpers. Thomas Nidringhouse, four goals. Trey Brown and Patrick Morrison, four caused turnovers Turnovers and 10 GBs combined. For Boston U, for Bryant, Jack Longsinger, seven goals. Aiden Goltz, three and two. Both teams now sit at one and one. Boston U needed this win uh, after losing last week. That bounce back win is going to be big for them uh, as they lost to Vermont. A week ago, so Boston U uh, sits at two and one. Actually, no, Boston U won last week too, right? They lost week one to Vermont, and then they won uh, one last week. But yeah, Boston U is now at two and one. That's where they want to be. They'd like to be at three and zero. They're not though. Bryant drops to one and two. Next up for Boston U, UMass at UMass. That should be a very good game. And now it's Bryant at Quinnipiac uh, next weekend. Next game, another OT game here, Vermont and Utah. Now Vermont. Uh, this was kind of a game of runs between these two teams overall. Vermont uh, held a slight edge through most of the game, but Utah never gave up and continually battled from like two to three goals down and would then tie things up, and they did that right to the end to force overtime. Vermont took a 12-9 lead on a Hayden Fruing goal with 8.41 left in the fourth quarter. Utah tied things up just two minutes before that, and Vermont scored a quick three-goal flurry over a one-minute and 10-second span to take that three-goal lead. Utah not done, though. They scored the game's next four goals, taking a 13-12 lead over Vermont with 4-14 left in the game off a Koa Todd goal. At this point, Utah had all the momentum, and Vermont had pretty much none of it. Um, but with 27 seconds left in the game, Brock Haley scored on a dish from James Basile. That knotted things up at 13s, and that forced overtime, where Haley would then score again, this time from Nick Alvidi, giving the Catamounts the road win. Now, keys for Vermont... In this win, it comes right down to none other than Tommy Burke at the faceoff dot. He was a monster, winning 25 of 31 draws, 14 ground balls. He continues to be the reason that Vermont's been in every game. He's off to an incredible start, Burke is. For Vermont, Klosterman was 4-1. Brock Haley and James Basile, 2-2. Two two. Tommy Burke, 25 of 31, because he's an absolute animal. Uh, for Utah, Jordan Hyde, 3 goals. Ryan Steins, 2 goals. And then Colin Lenskold had 20 saves. So he played tough in cage for Utah. And that is all she wrote in that one. Let us now get to Michigan and Hofstra, another one-goal game. Now, Michigan, they had kind of a classic back-and-forth back game here. Jacob Jackson scored his fourth goal of the game for Michigan with 51 seconds left, giving the Wolverines the win over the Pride. Jackson finished the game with four goals and a helper off just six shots. Shane Carr got the start again in cage for Michigan after struggling last week. He goes for two saves against five goals against. He gets benched, and 
Hunter Taylor came in in relief. He stopped 10 shots versus just five goals against. So does that mean maybe we see a new goalie starting in Michigan throughout the year here? Because Carr did not look good in the game last weekend against Virginia, despite Michigan playing tough against Virginia. And now, once again, Carr doesn't look good, gets the bench, and Taylor comes in and, and has a very good game for Michigan, helps them in that, that second part of the game. Actually, it was more like the last 40 minutes of the game, and Michigan gets that one goal win. Uh, we're moving out of here and we're going to, yeah, the Navy game against Manhattan. This was crazy because Navy has a five, one lead, uh, late in this game, you know, 11 minutes left in the third quarter. Navy takes a five, one lead. Uh, John Jarose scores that goal. And then Manhattan over the course of, you know, second half of the third through to the end of this game, they go for five consecutive goals. They hold Navy scoreless. And it ends up being uh, uh, Tag or, Re uh, or Reardon scoring the game winner. Three goals on the game for him overall. And the key in this game here, as we're going to come down to the bottom to look at these stats, is Joseph Persico. 22 saves. You can make the you can make the argument, hey, Manhattan beats Navy. That's a total team effort. I would declare shenanigans on that take. This is one of those games where one dude won the game for you in the end. So credit to Persico for standing on his head in this game and just absolutely dominating. Navy won the face-off battle overall, 10 to 15. Um, you know, it, it was not a game that, Man that Manhattan should have won, but because of the way Persico played, you know, Manhattan ends up pulling this one out. So credit to him. BU, this was another overtime game here. We had BU and St. Bonnie's. It ends up coming down to, what was it, tied up here. Early in the fourth, nine up, and BU take a lead. St. Bonnie's would come back and tie it with two minutes and one second left. A Jake Rosa goal assisted by Drew Kenny tied up. We end up in overtime, and it's Matthew Keegan scores a man-up goal from Thomas Greenblatt to give uh, Binghamton University the win on the day. As we get in here into the stats, we see... Keegan, yeah, he was 4-1 and one on the day. A hell of a job for him. Greenblatt was 3-1 and one on the day. Binghamton, yeah, they kind of split the face-offs here. And uh, Binghamton goalie, Connor Winters, he had a very good day in cage. 17 saves, 11 goals against in a close game like this. Congratulations, congratulations young, man, young man. You just helped your team win a very close game. So solid outing by Binghamton University. In my first recording of this that I did today, 40 minutes that I that it was completely lost because I had no audio. Checking, I still have audio over here. Uh, I forgot about this one, but I'm going to talk about it now. Uh, Quinnipiac and Brown. Quinnipiac ends up taking an 11-9 lead with 2.55 left in this game. They actually played, you know, kept pace here. Brown had the lead through a good chunk of this stretch here. Uh, Quinnipiac ties it here. Brown takes the lead back. Quinnipiac got their first lead 9-8 with 14-38 in the fourth. Man up goal by Trevor Douglas. But then Brown ties it again. Quinnipiac scores two in a row. They hold out and win this game. A hell of a job overall for them to upset Brown. It's an upset, but I, you know, I had the feeling, and I think a lot of people had a feeling that Brown was going to be down. Uh, Dylan Donnery, 3-1. Jake Tellers, 2-2. Two two. How'd Brown do at the faceoff dot? Kind of split them. But we come down to here, look at the Quinnipiac goalkeeping. Nick DiMuccio, 21 saves, 10 goals against. Another situation here where a goalkeeper, this one I would say is a little bit less uh, on the goalkeeper, and you could credit the whole Quinnipiac team a little bit more than you can Manhattan overall because, you know, 21 saves, 10 goals against, but still an absolute killer game out of DiMuccio. Is that how you pronounce that, DiMuccio? That looks right. So credit to them. They upset Brown. 
pick up a big win for the program. Next up, Hobart and Lehigh. Now, this was a tale of two halves here overall. If you see the score here, 10 to 8 in favor of Hobart. And if we come down here at one point, Hobart led 10 to 4. But then you're going to see Lehigh. They go on a four goal run, give up one goal to Hobart. They go on another four goal run give up another goal to Hobart. Now things are tied at this point in the third quarter, 12 up, and then uh, they score, what is it, the next five goals of the game Lehigh does. Now they got a 17-12 lead. They give one more up to Hobart, finish the game out with two goals. So that's a hell of a job. If we look at the statistics, though, this is what I thought was interesting here. First half, shots are pretty even. Second half, Hobart gets... 13 shots the entire second half. Lehigh gets 14 shots in the third alone, 17 shots in the fourth quarter. Shots on cage, similar discrepancy here. Eight shots on cage for Hobart in the second half. 19 shots on cage for Lehigh in the second half. Turnovers, pretty even. Actually, Lehigh lost the turnover battle in the first half, 10 to 9. Second half, Hobart still turns it over nine times, six in the fourth quarter. Lehigh cleans things up offensively, only turned the ball over five times in that second half. And then ground ball battle, same crap. Lehigh wins the ground ball battle in the second half after Hobart wins it in the first. Face-off battle. This was key because Hobart won 10 face-offs against nine lost to Sisselberger. So Hobart won the face-off battle. Shea did over Sisselberger in the first half. Sisselberger ends up winning the second half uh, nine to seven You know, a couple of extra wins over overall here, and that helps them also. And then uh, Hobart, seven penalties. Lehigh was three of seven uh, uh, in penalties here. But you look at what Shea did at the faceoff dot, 17 of 35 for Hobart. That's a hell of a job against Sisselberger. But in the end, you know, Sisselberger does get the better of him on average. And then Christian Moulet, five and one. Uh, Scott Cole, four and two. Uh, Justin Tiernan, three and one. Matt Marker, three and oh. I mean, Lehigh ends up just filling it up in the second half and pulls out the victory. And then goalkeeping, you know, kind of mediocre in this one. Another, another one goal game here. And this was Lindawood getting their first victory in division one lacrosse. And how that went down was Lindawood was up eight, four and LIU battles back. They get it tied up in the fourth quarter with four fifty four left Tom Von Bargen. He scores to tie things up for LIU and it is Wesley Scursey for Lindawood scoring the game winner with 106 left in the game, and that gives them their first win in Division I lacrosse. And then I think we had a goalkeeper have a day here. Yeah, the Lindawood goalkeeper, Blake Nolan, 14 saves. So both goalies played well. Sean Gilman played well for LIU, 12 saves against nine goals against. Uh, Gilman spelling Will Mark, who left LIU to come to Syracuse and is having a great season. So he played good in cage, but here Blake Nolan gets more saves. His team wins by a goal. So hell of a job for Lindawood, Air Force, and Colgate. Another one-goal game. This one comes down to Air Force had a 9-4 lead before giving up five consecutive goals over the course of the, the second half of the third quarter specifically. Colgate's able to tie it up nine up with four seconds left in the third quarter. Patty Eldridge from Rory Connor. Air Force scores the first goal of the fourth quarter, just 50 seconds in, take a 10-9 lead. That's Ethan Grandolfo. And then Air Force scores the dagger, 204 left in the fourth quarter. Kyle Griffith from Shade Bruce. And Colgate does score one late to get back to within a goal, but Air Force is able to hold on. If we look at the stats here, these loaded slowly the first time I went through this too. I was trying to find Dodd. What did Dodd do? 
Dodd had three goals, uh, and uh, Grandolfo had three goals as well. And we look at the goal, yeah, Air Force goalie Jason Rowe, 17 saves against just 10 goals against. So he did a hell of a job overall. And this is despite Colgate winning the bulk of the faceoffs. You see, Folgate, Colgate went 15 and 24 at the faceoff dot. So hell of a job uh, by Air Force to pull this one out. Princeton against Monmouth. Princeton, they roll them right off the bat here. Uh, they handled business completely. Vardaro, he puts up five and two. Brandon Saris, he goes three and three. Coulter Mackesy, four and two. Easy win for the Tigers. Now, I, I credit Monmouth for actually hanging and having a pretty solid outing overall. It was, what, um, 12 to three at the half, but Monmouth didn't give up. They score six more over the course of the second half. So credit to them. Uh, Griffin Griffin Rackauer, he got to start in cage for the Tigers. He stopped six of the nine shots he faced. Now Princeton's going to have Manhattan at home, and Manhattan beat Navy yesterday. So we'll see if maybe Manhattan can hang with two really good teams, and then Monmouth is going to host New Jersey Tech. Now we get into the inside lacrosse games that I'm not – I haven't written these up or anything, and I didn't write a lot of them up. But anyway, Jacksonville. Story of this game, Milliken had a great game overall. He had uh, 15 saves against just four goals against. In terms of the scoring, Galloway 2-2, two and two, Dylan Watson 4-0. and oh. Faceoff dot, what happened there? Oh, yeah, wow, Mercer wins the bulk of the faceoffs. That would account for the closer score considering everything else. But, yep, so Jacksonville, they beat up on Maris, not great. Penn State, they beat Stony Brook. The good thing here for Penn State, Chase Mullins has been solid. At the, you can tell I've already gone through this because I was already clicking through all these. Uh, TJ Malone, 4-2 and two for Penn State. Chris Jordan and Jack Trainer 2-2. Two and two. Penn State definitely improved offensively. I think they'd like to play a little bit better defensively overall. But, yeah, they're, they're a much improved team this year. So that, that just elevates the whole the, – the Big Ten completely, having the bottom-level teams like Michigan and Penn State from a year ago being improved teams this year here. So they beat Stony Brook. Delaware – I'm, I was looking on this one. It looks like Mike Robinson's hurt for Delaware. So as we go and we look at this game here, they did beat St. John 16-9, Ward 2-5, Kurtz 5-1, Clay Miller 1-3. But missing Robinson, I think, is kind of holding them back a little bit offensively overall. Matt Kilkiri, eh, not great. Neither goalkeeper had an insane day, both about 50% here. Oh, yeah, Roland Hockenberry. He won 20 of 25 draws for Delaware, so that's huge. And credit to St. John's for not getting beat by worse, considering they lost a metric shit ton of those face-offs, and that shows how important Mike Robinson is to that Delaware offense as well. So I, I can't imagine they held him scoreless. I'm thinking he's not playing if he didn't factor in the stat sheet at all. Mount St. Mary. Oh, I was looking at that one to see. That was part of me trying to figure out if Robinson had played in my first go through of the show. Merrimack loses to Dartmouth by a goal. And what was it here? Neither goalkeeper had a crazy day. So let's just see who scored goals here. Um, for Mer Yeah, because I was what I was checking on the goalkeepers here was I was trying to see how Vought did. He's been pretty hot. He's been above 55% or above 50% in their first uh, their first three games, all wins for Merrimack. He's a little bit cooled down in this one, and Merrimack loses. But this kid here has made some highlight real goals uh, saves so far for Merrimack, but Dartmouth is able to win that game. Oh, yep, see, I was looking at how he had done. See here, 56%, 55%, 65% in the win over LIU, and he just has his first down day, and uh, Merrimack loses. All right, so other games here to just rip through quick. Richmond, Bucknell, they beat them. Bucknell wins 18-5. Bellarmine beats Canisius 14-4. What other ones did I not talk about? Um, da -da 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 -da. Providence beats Siena 18-11. 
St. Joseph's beats Towson. Oh, wait, that one's on my list here. So let's close this. I'm going to bring this over here. Uh, St. Joseph's, yep, they beat Towson. We see Zach Cole dominated the dot for St. Joe's, 20 of 32. We see that Tucker Brown had 3-1, and one. Levi Anderson 3-0, and oh, so they get it done. Nick DeMeo had a good game for Towson, 4-1. and one. Uh, And then what happened in the goalie battle? Yeah, pretty fair here. You see, we got five saves against four goals against, so they're still splitting time here. Robbie Seeley did not have a good game. Two saves, nine goals against. I'm wondering if he got benched and this McMillan came in. Uh, after that to spell him. But yeah, so they win. St. Joe's, they pull out a win over Towson. Towson's got Richmond next, apparently. I don't know why I was looking at that. Uh, and then the other games I did not talk about. Uh, Mercer beats Holy Cross 15-6. to UMBC beats Drexel 12-7. to Fairfield beat Wagner 14-7. to uh, Let's see. Da -da 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 -da. Mount St. Mary's beat NJIT 13-10. to and Lafayette beat Sacred Heart 15 to 8. So that's it. I got to quit recording here because I got to cut this up and get it up now because I've already done this once. So I've been not been getting videos out on Fridays. I apologize. We're just sticking to Wednesday and Sunday. Preview show on Wednesday with the betting crap included and recaps every Sunday. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. You can go to laxfactor.com to support us that way. Buy some swag. And Hoost is out. Factor Podcast.